they would mock him. They would split up his things. Spit on him and do all kinds of things. Verse 36, and sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his, this accusation. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And many times, it's going to seem as if, in spite of the fact that you got saved and you got cleaned up and everything, that you are going to ex towards exactly the same end as somebody who is not saved. Amen. Oh my goodness. Alright, everyone say amen. I hope I didn't overload this with bad news. But let me tell you, this bad news in here is actually good news. You will seem as if you are going towards the same end as somebody who is not saved. Many times. And that's the source of a lot of confusion in the church. It will seem as if you are going to the cross with the thieves. Amen. And guess what? It says... Where were we? Verse 39. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. Isn't that something that we face as believers? Look at you. You say you pray. You say you know a God that delivers. Pray for yourself now that you are in trouble. And, and you know, these are people that you have been trying to witness to who are witnessing your torment. Amen. And you have no word to say back to them when they say that. You are the one who is always praying for me. You are the one. You are the one who always says, you know, this, this stuff works. Now look at you. Why don't you pray and that, that this affliction would, would go away from you? Save yourself. Yeah. You, you're the one. You're the, you're the one who's always saying, hey, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave You save yourself. You pray for yourself. And I tell you, you pray and you pray, nothing doing. Amen. Why? Because what God is committed to, as far as you are concerned, is that overriding purpose. Not indulging you with the change of circumstances that makes you happy for a while, but makes you lose focus on the overall picture. Amen. Likewise, also the chief priest, verse 41, mocking him with scribes and elders, said, He saved others himself, he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. And, and uh, God's purpose for his life says, go to the cross that they may believe you. And they say, let him come down from the, let him bring himself down, then we will believe him. As if they were going to. And you know, they really don't mean it anyway. Even if he were to come down from the cross, he had done so many mighty signs and wonders. And so, you know, uh, listen to this. You have a testimony. And you have shared it with unbelievers. And they know that God has done wonders in your life. And they still keep asking you to demonstrate one more time that God is God in your life. And it is never enough. Never enough. 
and you feel so uh, but I mean all these things that they have witnessed in my life how can they ask for one more thing and you know that the thing that they are asking for is never going to happen and you, and you start thinking well man if, if I don't come out down from this cross they are never going to be, get saved they are never going to believe my testimony and you start trying to engineer certain things listen if God wants you to hang on that cross hang on it in Jesus name God wants you to drink that bitter cup. Drink it. Amen. And face life like a man if you're a man and like a woman if you're a woman. Like a child of God for all of us. Amen. Knowing that God who has given us a purpose is faithful to that purpose. So anyway, let's go on. We'll finish just now. Someone is laughing because they think I'm talking Zimbabwean time. Now I'm serious. We'll finish shortly. He trusted in God, verse 43. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I'm the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. Things even changed around them. There was darkness. Things didn't look too good. And Jesus says, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Amen. As we are walking in, disobe- in obedience, not in disobedience, in obedience, faithfully pursuing the things that God has said we should pursue, it often feels at the height of our pain that God has forsaken us. And if you go by feelings and not by faith, you will turn away. Amen. You will turn away. If you go by feelings, and not by faith, you will surely turn away. When you are closest to the accomplishing of that which God has purposed for your life, the pain is most intense. Because the the devil has to turn it up just in case. Just in case. Just in case. There's still a possibility, as long as you still... You, you, you are still walking in obedience. There is still a possibility for the devil to actually convince you otherwise. So what he does is, is, if the pain that he inflicted two days ago or last year has not made you give up, he will double it. And his intent is so that you may curse God and die. That's his intent. So he will keep Piling it on. Piling it on. Piling it on until you scream out, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabatani, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why are things so hard for me? Why is it so difficult? 
I thought that all you needed to do is to go forward when there was an altar call called, and when I, you receive Christ, and then you start praying in the Spirit and reading your word, everything is supposed to be smooth sailing. Why, Lord? Why? Why is this happening to me? It happens to everybody. Some people just look good in their pain. Amen. And the biggest lie that the enemy wants to tell us is that you are alone in suffering. That's the biggest lie. That you are being, you, you know, and, and all this condemnation that comes to God's people is a result of us thinking that we are alone. We have been targeted by the enemy. Some people work very hard on Sunday morning to look good. Some people, they come to church, you don't even need to prophesy to know they are in trouble. You just look at them. And you know, this one is in trouble. And some people know how to cover it up. Amen. But we, we go through different things. And it doesn't matter. You may, you may be, you may be a, a, a wonderful preacher. Maybe a good-looking preacher's wife. You may be a wonderful-looking Sunday school teacher. Great praise and worship leader. We all go through stuff. We all do. What God wants is something to happen internally. And when something happens internally, then we are able to stand. Amen. And when we stand, then the enemy is in trouble. It's in trouble. Because he tries it. He gives you a left and you keep going. And gives you a right, you keep... He kicks you and you keep going. And he stamps on your foot and you keep going. Until he gives up. Until he says, I am, I am... I'm not touching this one. This one, there's something wrong. You need to convince Satan that you are crazy. Amen. You need to convince him that you are mad. Mom, the other day I was watching, you know, Muhammad Ali. He's one of my favorite boxers. You know, and he was, he was, he, he, they showed him, you know, in one of his press conferences. He was a genius when he came to give a press conference. You know, he says, you know, when he was about to fight George Foreman, he says, you know, George Foreman, when he comes and he's trying to hit you, you know, he sends out these bombs. Woo! Woo! He says, I mean, you can see the blow coming from miles away. He said, but when I get into the ring, man, I go, man, I, but you know, he was saying that to psych himself up. Because there was a fight when he was fighting against Joe Fraser, smoking Joe. And you could hit Joe Fraser with everything that you had, he kept coming. Man, that guy was something else. You could hit him with two. Blows at the same time, boom, he would keep coming. You would hit him and kick him, he would still keep coming. The guy didn't give up. He, he was crazy. And, and I, to be honest with you, we need to be like that to them demons which are always tormenting us. We need to be a little bit crazy. Like I thought this was going to get him down, and you fall and boom, you. And you are grinning and you're, why are you smiling? You are going through so much and you say, God is good to me. Yeah. And do you know something? It starts off actually as something that you do by effort. 
You actually put an effort into smiling. God is good to me. Inside you want to cry until you really feel the rivers of living water welling up in you and informing your face that God is good. Because He is good. In the midst of our crisis, God is good. Because what He is doing is He wants to bring us to the accomplishing of the overriding purpose for our lives. My goodness, what good news! That He can receive us and say, Well done, my son! Well done, my daughter! You have fought the good fight! So Jesus cries out, and you know, this is a powerful scripture. Because there are, there are some people who don't understand that Jesus was very man and very God. And there is a reason for that. There is a reason for him being very man. Because if he hadn't been very man, then he wouldn't have felt the pain that we feel. Then all this would be irrelevant. But if the word of God comes to us because there is real pain out there. There is real pain out there. But let me tell you something. The reality of the strength that God puts in us is greater than the reality of our pain. It's much greater. He says, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. Meaning, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of the men that stood there, when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elijah. He got nuts. Now he's calling for Elijah. Elijah died a long time ago. See? The craziness of this person's faith. He is calling for Elijah. Verse 48. And straight away, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar again. And put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And you know, I was so blessed yesterday reflecting upon this scripture that you know sometimes God is so merciful that He will not let sinners understand what we mean when we cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But sometimes we will say it. They won't even understand that we are going through times of self-doubt. He will actually close their ears. so gracious that He will actually close their ears and they won't understand that we are actually going through times of internal conflict. And, and sometimes, you know, He's so gracious. You know, that's why the church looks so good because somebody may be sitting next to you and is about to give up and you will never know why. Because He knows that we are more likely to condemn a person who comes out and says, God, why has you forsaken me? than to be redemptive in our relationship with them. So now what ends up happening is we don't see people's conflicts. We don't see the turmoil that's going on inside. Because God is so gracious, He closes off the ears of those that would condemn us. But I want to tell you this today. That even if you are going through some self-doubt, He loves you. And He will see you through. And it's a very normal process. Amen. To feel unsure because of the circumstances that you're going through is very normal. What God expects is for you to react appropriately to that doubt. Know what to do 
when you are in periods of... But it's a very normal process. You know, even though Jesus was very man, he was without sin. So you, so you can't say that he was saying that because of sin in his life. You and I know that Jesus in his flesh never sinned. Alright, let me say that again. Because, you know, if you get that, that is so powerful, it will make you understand that even when you go through some of these moments of self-doubt, you, have, you are not lost to God. You are not lost. So Jesus, is that right? He never sinned. Okay, let me say this again. Jesus in his flesh never sinned. Never sinned. Never. Not once. Not once. He's not... Jesus never sinned. It, it was impossible for the Son of God to sin, even in His flesh, even though He was very man and very God. Is that right? Without sin, right? But He had a moment of self-doubt. Amen. And a lot of times we stand up here and we expect people to be perfect in terms of the revelation of their faith. It doesn't work that way. Because even pastors have moments of self-doubt where you are asking, why am I doing what I'm, What is all this? I don't think I really hate God. And to be honest with you, sometimes the enemy will put so much pressure on you, you will even wonder if you are saved and you are a pastor. Amen. Is that right, pastor? So, some of the things that we go through are really part of the... It's really... Everyone say it's natural. Everyone say it's natural. There are some things that we go through that are just natural. And we have to know that when we feel this conflict, in us, as long as it doesn't overwhelm us, as long as it doesn't overwhelm the purpose that God has for our lives, it's fine. So, He will close off the ears of those that are around you. Okay, let's read two more verses and then we'll pray. Verse 49. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Verse 49. Verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. In other words, he died. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. There is power at the climatic moment of your pain that you need to discover. <laughs> because the climatic moment of your pain has something to do... Honestly, you know, this was some... Now, please, I, I would like you to pay attention because we're going to pray after this. I came... I got saved at the climatic moment of my pain. There are many people who are here today. The day you answered the call is because, I mean, you were just feeling so hopeless and so lost and everything was going wrong. And you gave your life to Christ. Okay? That was the climatic moment of your pain. And when you responded to God, I, I mean, the power that was released in your life is unbelievable. But it was a moment of maximum pain. Now, there are some people who don't get saved like that. I know that. 
But there are a lot of people, great decisions that you have made in your life happened because of a loss. And you had no choice but to order your life in a certain way. Because of a terrible thing that happened in your life. And the, the funny thing about it is, God, you know, brings this path of pain and, and, and his purpose and the power of, of discovering your purpose to intersect right there at the moment of your greatest pain. And, and when you allow God to walk you to your cross, and you do exactly what he said you should do, the power that will be revealed is incredible. Now, that power is in spite of yourself. Let me say something, not out of boasting. But I would like to leave this with you as a church. Because you are a Christian, when you walk around, there are things that happen around you, in the circumstances around you, that you are not aware of. There are things that happen, simply because you are... Do you realize that walking around like this is provoking activity in the heavenlies? Getting into your car and driving to it, getting onto a plane is provoking tremendous activity in the heavenlies. Because all of a sudden, all the ministering spirits which are assigned to Jimmy Hill, because he is going to Paraguay, they have to scare it to the airport and get there before he does. And make sure that everything is well before Jimmy Hill comes. Why? Because he is the son of a king. Amen? He is the son of a king. And then you get there, and there are some things that start happening, you know. I can't believe what happened. I just got there, and then I said a little prayer. It had nothing to do with your prayer. It had something to do with the fact that God sends an advanced team always. He always does. And the moment a child of God stands up and does the things that God wants them to do, you will be so surprised the activity that begins. Now, let me relate this to you, this experience that I had. Which, which was in the world, when, when my father was in the diplomatic service. You know, I, <laughs> we traveled from, well, as we were leaving Zimbabwe, there was some problem with the bookings. The Minister of Foreign Affairs had not booked uh, the flights for, for, for the families that were traveling with these newly appointed diplomats. So uh, we were supposed to leave, leave the following day, and they hadn't made the bookings on, the, on, the, on Air Zimbabwe. So you know what they did? They picked up the phone and they told seven families whose bookings were there and confirmed and everything, they told them, you ain't going on the plane. Okay? We were in a hotel. I was you know, with my parents in a hotel. And, they, and all this thing was going on. We didn't know anything about it. At seven o'clock the next day, the cars from the Minister of Foreign Affairs came, picked us all, all of us up, from the airport and took us to the, uh, from the hotel and took us to the airport and we got to the airport and uh, we were told we were escorted into the plane and we sat in the plane and we took off after we took off when we got to Yugoslavia somebody called me and said the, there was a big to do in the papers because there were some people who were so angry that they were taken off the plane because these diplomats and their families had to travel. I didn't know nothing about it. I just got on the plane. Amen. And you know the funny thing now, I, 
This is a very interesting story because it's the first time that I'd seen it. Grew up, you know, my father was a teacher, you know, they'd never seen anything. I was, it was like, wow, so this is how these people live, eh? We get to England, and my father was not being posted to England, he was being posted to Yugoslavia. He was transiting through England. We get to England, the plane lands, and as soon as the plane lands, everybody is told by the captain to remain seated. So everybody remains seated. And some people from the British Home Office, they come in with walkie-talkies and stuff and guns and everything, you know, and they come and they stand right next to me and they say, you can, you can come out. So we are escorted out of the plane. And we, you know, the plane doesn't pull up at the gate. It pulls out, uh, up, you know, just before the gate. And they put a staircase there. We are escorted into cars that have those flashing lights. So we get into those cars. We go to the VIP section. Now, what had happened was, before we left Zimbabwe, somebody called the Department of Protocol in Zimbabwe, called the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in England that our diplomat is passing through England and his children. We didn't know anything about it. It was done without our knowing. And this thing continued until we got to Yugoslavia. I am telling you this so that you might understand who you are in the Lord. And the departments of protocol which are there in heaven. Which say now Matthew is about to go to Chile. And because he is going to Chile, things need to line up with him. But you see, as, as you are getting ready to... You see, God doesn't want to take you away from your walk of faith. There are things that you will still be facing as you are getting ready to go to Chile. And it will seem as if the whole journey was just so hard. But guess what? You went to Chile, didn't you? And there are many people who wanted to go to Chile who didn't make it. So somehow, God was working things for you without you knowing that He was. Even in the middle of your crisis. Even in the middle of your pain. As you accomplish that God, thing that God has set in your life, you set off a, I mean, just incredible things happen around you but God does not want to take you away from walking by faith so sometimes he doesn't let you see what is going on amen because if you see what is going on you will actually even begin to think that you are making it you are doing it yourself and you start believing in do you know something there are two kinds of manifestation of God's power that we have to understand there is the one that is internal in us that we direct through prayer and, and things like that. And there is just the power of God which is just present around there. And God does what He wants with that. We, we, he's, he is sovereign. We, we, he's God. And as far as that is concerned, you know, we can't do anything about that. It's His. And then there is what He puts in us for us to direct. And I am telling you that the present power of God in your circumstances is so great that you will go through in the name of Jesus in spite of what you are going through right now you will make it in the name of Jesus. Let's conclude. Why don't we stand up? Verse 52. Verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Verse 52. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Jesus didn't do anything. Nobody went to the grave and said what? 
Now grace, be thou open. Nobody did. All he did was to die on the cross. And at that moment, and, and I tell you, this thing was just so powerful when I saw it. That to be honest with you, a lot of the things that we are doing, we don't have to do them. All we have to do is just to obey God. Amen. Oh, there's a lot of activity which is not necessary. There are a lot of things that God will... <laughs> you, you, you know, there are a lot of things that God will do. There are a lot of things that God has put in my heart. And you know, sometimes you know, when God has put it in your heart, you're like, okay, alright now. You see, we, we, we like seeing things well laid out. Some of us are control freaks. Amen. Control freaks repent in Jesus' name. My hand is up. I want to see exactly what God is going to do. I want to see the next salvation now crusade is there. And then the next thing is there. And, and then we go like this. And then we're going to do this. And then it's going to be an explosion of God's power. An explosion of God's power. And then when there's an explosion of God's power going this way, then I'm going to manage it and direct it this way. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And then after we do that, then, then we do this. And then we do this. And then we do this. And it stops being a walk of faith. Amen. And, and, and God says, you are not going to necessarily control the, the power that I have out there. It's got something to do with my sovereignty. I move sometimes when you call me, but I don't always move when you call me the way that you want me to move. I, I will move. But let me tell you something that is more powerful. When you just obey and allow Him to bring you to the fulfillment of His purpose for your life, and you just become available and say, well, Lord, no matter how painful, I will go through it in Jesus' name. And you walk, and it's not even that glamorous, and people are spitting on you, and they're mocking you, and so on and so forth, and things are not happening, the church is not growing, oh, you, you know, all kinds of things are going on. And you simply walk, and, <laughs> and they laugh at you, and they say all kinds of things, and you are... Like a fool. That's what God expects. A foolish heart. You know? And you're not looking too good. You know? You keep going. And you keep going. And then you keep going. Like a fool. Then God will give you to the climatic moment of your pain. That will unleash so much power in your life you will not believe it. Let's raise our hands. Father God, I pray for this church. I pray, Lord Jesus, for the one who heard, the one, Lord Jesus, who needed to hear this word. I pray, oh my Father, that Lord, even as we have...